Love a good fright? Stream your fears with Shudder. From the legendary monsters that fuel your nightmares to under-the-radar haunts and acclaimed exclusives like Creepshow and Slasher, Flesh and Blood, experience what Polygon calls a horror movie paradise and what RogerEbert.com says is one of the best streaming services in the world. Stacked with chilling content, all curated by the industry's top horror experts, Shudder's library of frightening films and eerie series covers the horror spectrum, meaning there's something for every type of horror, thriller, and supernatural fan. Available ad-free and on the platforms you're already on. Sign up today at Shudder.com. Shudder, so good, it's scary. There's a reason podcasts are popping up everywhere. Podcasts can make you money. And Spreaker is the easiest way to start a podcast. You could literally record your first episode today. Spreaker has all the tools you need to record, edit, publish, and yeah, monetize your podcast all in one place. And it's free. So tell your story and make money while doing it. Start your podcast for free now at Spreaker.com slash make money. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com slash make money from the iHeart Podcast Network. There's a reason podcasts are popping up everywhere. Podcasts can make you money. And Spreaker is the easiest way to start a podcast. You could literally record your first episode today. Spreaker has all the tools you need to record, edit, publish, and yeah, monetize your podcast all in one place. And it's free. So tell your story and make money while doing it. Start your podcast for free now at Spreaker.com slash make money. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com slash make money from the iHeart Podcast Network. Hello? It's been well documented that the police made many mistakes on the night Maitrice disappeared and at her crime scene. Mistakes that tragically could have led to her death and also could have damaged evidence in a way that makes it much more difficult or even potentially impossible to find and prosecute her killer. But over the years, some people have suggested that certain members of law enforcement could have actually been involved in Maitrice's death and in a cover-up of her killing. So to investigate this theory, we have to go back to the timeline. In a potential homicide investigation, it's standard procedure to start with the last people who were known to have seen the victim alive. But this logic did not seem to apply in Maitrice's case, because some of the last people who saw her alive were the police. It's also good practice in either a homicide investigation or a missing persons investigation to track down surveillance footage. And we found out that there is surveillance footage that shows Maitrice in the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station on the night she disappeared. At least eight hours in all, on four different cameras. It's been 11 years since Rhonda started investigating Maitrice's death, and she is still fighting to get access to that tape. Right, and, and are they saying, so they're saying to you, basically without saying it, they're saying, no, we're not going to release it, when, whereas before they were saying, we don't have the right equipment. So it's like, which is it? This call I had with Rhonda was on September 15th, 2020. She was explaining to me that finally, the LASD had agreed to release the video footage of Maitrice from the night of September 16th, 2009. And the detective who she was talking to said that they were going to upload the footage onto the LSD website for all the world to see. And we'll see you Thursday. And let me know what happens. All right. Thanks. Bye. Uh, okay. So 
apparently they're going to give her, she thinks they're going to give her the actual VHS tape, which would be great because then we can figure out a way to play it. She says she'll let us have it, but I'm like, you know, yeah, great. Let's all play it, figure out a way to, you know, view the footage, make a copy. Like, it seems so crazy. And, and they, they still weren't going to do it. I started looking into my Teresa's case about a year ago. In any case, but especially one with so many theories out there about what could have happened, I try to investigate Sherlock Holmes style. I follow the process of elimination. But we can't eliminate a possible theory if we can't even get basic questions answered, which has been one of the most frustrating parts of this case. This surveillance video is key. It's one of the only pieces of physical evidence out there that could potentially provide clues to Mitrice's state of mind, her behavior, and possibly what happened to her on the night she disappeared. Two days after my call with Rhonda, we met with her and Cece at Mitrice's gravesite at Inglewood Cemetery. Remember, the detective told Rhonda that they would finally release the video, which shocked her because she spent years fighting to get access to that video. And now the LASD was just going to put it on their website? That's when she told me they were going to put it on the actual, um, actual website of the sheriff's department, which, whatever. So... Did not sound like a very good idea. Yeah, so... So I don't know when that, she didn't tell me when that was going to happen because, like, I think the video had to be sent down to their tech people to get it uploaded and all that stuff. I mean, she was really clear about what was going to happen. So <clears throat> I, I started uh, thinking thinking about it a little, little bit because, you know, so much of what we learned about my trees, we learned in the news. So I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to ask Alex if he would please show some compassion and notify the family, you know, her parents before... They just uploaded this, you know, um, on the site for the world to see. But at the cemetery, she told us that once again, the police had changed their minds. She talked to the sheriff, Alex Villanueva, and he said the police weren't going to make the video public. I'm not really sure because then he got back to me and said that, um, that they were not going to put it on the website. That's not what he wants. He doesn't want it on the website. And then he was clear that the only reason why he was released, he was releasing it to me um, per my request and that her, this video does not fall within the um, policy of transparency. When Sheriff Villanueva was elected in 2018, he made a transparency promise. This was crucial for the community following the secrecy and corruption of the Sheriff Lee Baca and Paul Tanaka era. Rhonda says that Sheriff Villanueva told her that the transparency promise doesn't apply to Mitrice's case because he made the promise after she disappeared. More like he's letting me know he's doing me a favor. That, that's right. kind of how it felt. Yeah. So, uh, so, I, so uh, fine, whatever. So I don't know if that means... Um, so I don't know what's going to happen now because I know what the detective told me. And so this morning he just told me something different. When I'm, when, what I did ask for is I asked for the raw footage. So I want the complete digitized version. If that's what I, if that's what I don't get, I'm going to continue to raise hell. And there, there's no other option. So release it. I've seen police hold back information before. And sometimes they have good reasons. 
They may want to avoid false confessions by restricting access to facts that only the killer would know, for example. But in a missing persons case, it is standard practice to release footage of where the person was seen last. It's been two months since they said that they would make the video public. And we're still waiting. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Helen Gone. The saga over the release of a simple videotape goes to the heart of this case because it's symptomatic of the battle that the family has been fighting with law enforcement for transparency. Tom Martin was captain of Lost Hill Station at the time. And for months after Maitrese went missing, he told her family point blank that there was no video from the night that she disappeared. So the way the search did not happen was it made it didn't make any sense to us like why you wouldn't start from the station so at some point when they called the search off we were like okay we we don't know where the hell which even which direction did she go left or right or whatever when we asked for well let, let us just see the video so we can determine which way to start our search and then that's when they started out well there's no video it's like really there's no video <laughs> like that makes no sense then in january 2010 Rhonda, Maitrese's mother, Latisse, and documentary filmmaker Chip Croft were all at the Lost Hills Sheriff Station in a meeting with Captain Tom Martin and Lee Baca, who was sheriff of Los Angeles County at the time. In that meeting, Sheriff Baca asked Captain Martin, point blank, is there video footage? And Martin said, yes. The footage was in his desk, just feet away from where they were sitting. It had been sitting in his desk drawer for months. Now, Chip and Rhonda were shocked. Like Rhonda, Chip has also made multiple requests to get the video released. He remembers Sheriff Baca asking Captain Martin about the video. I was sitting right next to Captain Martin when Sheriff Baca asked him that question. You don't have any video of my trees in jail. And he turned beet red. I mean, really be red and just said, well, I do have this tape in my desk. And it turns out there was a four-track surveillance tape feeding from four cameras at the sheriff's department. And three were inside and one was outside on the side of the building. And there were two cameras on the front of the building, which would have explained, shown how Maitrese left the sheriff's station. And um, I still today um, suspect that those two cameras were operating. And what was his, he just said he accidentally stuck it there? Or he, oh, no. He said, so there's been various reasons. One of them was, in that moment, he didn't tell us why. Yeah. Um, so the next day, I got a call from his chief, Neil Tyler, who told me that he had it in his desk because 
he was trying to protect the individual that was also on film. Okay. Okay, because you could have just... That's no... That would be a reason not to show it to us. That's not a reason not to lie about its existence. So there's that, and um, that was what they said, and they had other flimsy excuses about why he he had it. I don't know. I don't, I don't, but, you know, eventually he gets promoted, so... For Mitrice's family, this marked a major turning point in the investigation. I believe that that's when their relationship with the police started to turn adversarial. And when certain members of Mitrice's family began to go from frustrated to furious. They never gave us the video. Oh, they let you watch the video. So we had to fight for that. So when we, when we, they admit that they had the video, then we got to keep pressing. It took another couple of months for them to get us to show the video. In March 2010, Latisse, Rhonda, and others finally saw the video. Rhonda was expecting several hours of footage, but she says that she was shown a much shorter, heavily edited version that was made up of footage compiled from several different cameras. Latisse has said multiple times that on the footage that she saw, Mitrice appeared to be behaving in a manner that she called infantile and childlike. She said that she could see her daughter lying in the fetal position in her cell. In a later deposition, she described Mitrice as distressed and said that Mitrice had been pulling at her hair and pulling at the mesh wiring that lined the holding cell area. At one point, she said Mitrice picked up the phone and put it down. She looked, Latisse said, as if she was trying to use the phone, but couldn't get it to work. Latisse said that a shadow was visible, as if someone was passing by the door. And it seemed like Mitrice was trying to get the person's attention, possibly to get assistance, but that there appeared to be no response. Both Rhonda and Latisse have spoken out in the past about the edits in the video. For example, Latisse talked about seeing a piece of paper crumpled on the floor and wondering how it got there. And there's something else. At the end of the video, they saw Mitrice walking out of the station into the darkness. And then, right before they pressed stop, someone walked out behind her. They were shocked, because initially, they say they were told that there were no deputies in the station at the time when Mitrice was released. The end of the video, the screen goes entirely black, and you think it's the end of the video. So we all turn and we're arguing at the detective because we're pissed, right? And so then the guy, the um, the person who the tech the tech guy, he like he goes like that to me. So the tech guy's in this middle, and we're all around him, and the, and the screen is right there. So he's so everybody's arguing. So I'm like here, like directly facing him. So then at some point he turns to me and he goes like that, like to make alert me to look up. So I believe that tech guy knew that that video was not over, but the detectives didn't. You could tell they were shocked. So I look up and then you see that you see a deputy coming out of the door. And that's significant because we were told that there was nobody at that station. Now... Mitrice's family and friends wanted to know the name of the deputy who was seen on the tape. They wanted to talk to him, not necessarily to accuse him of any wrongdoing, but 
because he may have been one of the last people to see Mitrice alive. Journalist Mike Kessler attempted to track the deputy down for his Los Angeles Magazine article back in 2011. At that time, he said that the department refused to give the family the deputy's name. Mike said that he was able to get the name of the deputy through a confidential source. He called him, and he wrote about that call in his article. He wrote, quote, He told me, unfortunately for you, dude, I wasn't there, and hung up. On our next call, he insisted that he couldn't remember if he'd been at the station the night Mitrice was arrested, and then went on to imply that he had been on site. The night this nonsense happened, he said, I was one of the guys that kept away from this, minding my own business, end quote. Now, this seems to be a bizarre statement. We tried to reach that deputy, but several of our calls went unreturned. But then Rhonda told us, and another source confirmed, that the deputy in the video was actually someone else, someone whose name had never been mentioned before. We're still working to figure out who the deputy was who exited the building right after Mitrice. That's why we need that tape. Knowing what is on the unedited version of that tape is crucial to this case. Even before Black Lives Matter, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor made national headlines. A journalist named Alexander Narzayan wrote in Newsweek, quote, Mitrice Richardson was a young woman who became a case, but also a cause. To many in Los Angeles, she's a symbol too, as potent as Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, or Eric Garner in Staten Island, New York, of a law enforcement culture that has grown contemptuous of both laws and men, end quote. He also quotes L.A.-based journalist Jasmine Canick as stating that she considers Mitrice to be a victim of police brutality. Here's the thing. Even if the tape doesn't provide helpful leads, releasing it could help answer some very basic questions for Mitrice's family. Police have given several reasons for why they say the tape can't be released. First, they said that it didn't exist. The Malibu Surfside News quoted Captain Tom Martin as stating in November 2009 that there was no video or tape of any kind of Mitrice at the Lost Hill Station on the night she was arrested. When Captain Martin revealed that he had the tape, he said that he hadn't told the family about it before because he thought that when they asked for footage, they were referring to footage from outside the building, not inside. Now, this infuriated Mitrice's family members because they believed that once again, the police were not being forthcoming. Then, they said, according to Rhonda, that they would not publicly release it due to confidentiality issues. But we've talked to Shermaine Henderson, who was in the cell with Mitrice, and she says she's on board to help in any way that she can. Rhonda says she's also spoken to Shermaine several times over the years. She says that was always the case. Shermaine was never concerned about confidentiality. Finally, police said that they do not have the correct equipment to play the tape on. Now it does seem absurd that police say that they don't have the technology to play the video, yet they were somehow able to edit it and cut it together. 
Supposedly, the reason why they're not going to release the video is because Alex told me that sheriff told mm -hmm. me that um, if he said that the the captain, I guess of homicide, um, doesn't want to set a precedent. Precedent of what? Releasing a ten-year-old video? It's an open investigation. Okay, well, if that's the case, then no video should ever be released. That's right. Until it's closed. I, I've seen too yeah, many videos right. when something's going on in the middle. You know, it's like, Alex, you're my friend, but I'm going to bring your ass down. Cece made a good point at the cemetery. This is Hollywood. There is no way in hell that they do not have a machine oh, to play a VHS yeah. when you can buy original Nintendos from long before <laughs> my Trace was even born, that's okay? That's and that's bullshit. Yeah. There are people who collect VHS. There are people who collect yeah. cassettes. There are people who collect all different forms of, of media. This so that's LA. bullshit. Yeah. Yes. Hello? How much shit is on freaking VHS at these studios? But see, here's the thing is they get to, Sorry, I didn't mean to they get to they get to play these little games. And then when you're a private citizen, you're not in any position to do anything about it. Like other than continuing to complain. You know, it's uh, and I'll continue to f file every complaint that I possibly can. Maybe they are releasing the original footage because when I asked for in my PRAR request, it was for the the um, unedited version. So I was very clear. Now, whether that's what they're going to release or not, we'll see. Captain Martin was not subjected to any type of disciplinary action for allegedly suppressing evidence. Instead, he was promoted, transferred to another department, and given a raise. Love a good fright? Start streaming and screaming with Shudder. From the legendary monsters that fuel your nightmares to under-the-radar haunts and critically acclaimed exclusives, discover what Polygon calls a horror movie paradise and what RogerEbert.com says is one of the best streaming services in the world. Stacked with chilling content, all curated by the industry's top horror experts, Shudder's library of frightening films and eerie series cover the entire horror spectrum, meaning there's something for every type of fan. Come experience highly anticipated new releases like Superhost, Seance starring Suki Waterhouse, and the Boulet Brothers' Dracula. Plus, don't miss out on Creepshow, Slasher, Flesh and Blood, and other must-see Shudder exclusives you won't find anywhere else. Available ad-free and on the platforms you're already on. Sign up today at Shudder.com. Shudder. So good, it's scary. This episode is sponsored by Maidenhome. High-quality, handcrafted furniture for the modern home. Maiden Home brings you thoughtfully designed custom furniture, handcrafted in North Carolina. This region is home to some of the world's most talented artisans who are experts in woodworking, upholstery, and finishing. By partnering directly with these family-owned workrooms, Maiden Home gives you access to the world's finest craftsmanship without the retail markup. From sofas and sectionals to tables and beds, you'll find beautiful heirloom-quality pieces that will last for years, and with over 60 fabrics and leathers and a variety of wood finishes to choose from, you can create a piece custom to your design style. Enjoy complimentary white glove delivery on all orders, a lifetime warranty, and easy returns within 30 days. 
To browse the latest collection and order free swatches, visit madeinhome.com. That's M-A-I-D-E-N-H-O-M-E.com to start building your custom piece today. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I know that a lot of people will think that multiple cops being involved in large-scale conspiracies and secret societies sounds like something out of a detective noir novel. But it's important to understand the backdrop that Mitrice's case played out against. Consider this. Lee Baca, who was sheriff of Los Angeles County when Mitrice went missing, is now a federal prisoner. He's incarcerated at Federal Correctional Institution Latuna, just north of El Paso, Texas. Baca was convicted of charges of conspiracy to obstruct justice, obstruction of justice, and making false statements. Prosecutors accused Baca of being at the head of a massive conspiracy, which also involved his undersheriff, Paul Tanaka, and eight other deputies. This all started after the FBI began looking into allegations of police brutality against inmates at L.A. County jails. The FBI had an informant inside one of those jails. But when jail staff figured out what was going on, Baca and his deputies hid the informant from the federal prosecutors, who had issued a summons for a grand jury appearance. Baca's trial became a media circus, and it also brought out allegations of white supremacist gangs, which some in law enforcement insisted were merely social clubs, hidden in plain sight, operating inside the LASD. This included the infamous Linwood Vikings, who were based in the now-defunct Linwood Station. Its members were LASD deputy sheriffs and included Baca and Tanaka. They were described by a judge as a neo-Nazi white supremacist gang who engaged in racially motivated hostility. The ACLU compiled a report. It read, in part, the long-standing and pervasive culture of deputy hyperviolence in Los Angeles County jails, a culture apparently condoned at the highest levels, cries out for swift and thorough investigation and intervention by the federal government, end quote. This abuse allegedly included rape of inmates by deputy sheriffs. In May 2017, Baca was sentenced to three years in federal prison for his role in the scheme to obstruct the FBI investigation. Now I'm not suggesting that former Sheriff Baca had anything to do with abuses in Mitrice's case. But I am saying that when the police aren't releasing video footage of what went down at the station that night, I can certainly understand why the family would have questions. And it was shortly after Baca pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice that the Attorney General agreed to reopen the investigation into Mitrice's case. In late 2015, Rhonda submitted a complaint 
containing over 500 pages of exhibits to the office of the Attorney General. They sent a response a few weeks later, saying that they had reviewed the evidence and made the determination that the LASD deputies had not broken any laws. Mitrice's father, Michael Richardson, asked the California Attorney General's office, led by Kamala Harris at the time, to review Mitrice's case. And in 2016, they agreed. But the next year, the family received more heartbreaking news. The Attorney General's office wrote in a letter to Michael that they had found insufficient evidence to support criminal prosecution against sheriff's deputies who were with Mitrice on the night she disappeared. The LASD was cleared of any wrongdoing. So once again, Mitrice's loved ones had gotten their hopes up, and once again, the case was closed. After receiving the letter, Michael told news station Fox 11 that he believed Harris had used Mitrice as a political pawn. Kamala Harris used my daughter's case as a platform to not only seek the support of the people in her district, but use them to elevate her career to senator, he said. Rhonda was allowed to see the video a few more times. She said that she keeps seeing different versions. Okay, so we never saw the original. We only ever saw what they compiled right. into the first CD, which, by the way, was different than what I saw recently. How so, different? So on the first CD, um, it was a little clearer. It's grainy because it's old anyways, but it's a little bit clearer than the first one that we saw. And in the first video that we saw, like, we didn't see Shermaine. We saw her leaving, like, really quickly. So they, like, cut that out so you couldn't. And by the way, you can't see her anyway. <laughs> like, we wouldn't know. I couldn't pick her out of, at yeah. all. So cause it was, that's how grainy it was. And so so we didn't see her. We saw her in a, shell, a cell for, like, three seconds. I mean, like, so short. But in the video that I was saw, you know, recently, I saw her the entire time. So I, from the time that Latisse walked in, uh, Matrice walked in there, so you can ha- they had a little bit of interaction, and but you could see them, you know, kind of talking to each other, or sometimes not talking to each other, and and then eventually she did leave. But the attorney general's office said that they had viewed the video. Rhonda has a lot of questions about this. She said she specifically asked if the attorney general's office had viewed the unedited video. If they had, she's wondering why the sheriff's office said that they can't make that video available to her and to the public. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope. It's Geico. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 
Nope, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. For Rhonda and Cece, there has been a beacon of hope in their investigation in recent years. Sheriff Alex Villanueva. They both campaigned on his behalf, and Cece says Rhonda is partially responsible for his election. They say that under Villanueva's administration, they believe that the sheriff's department has instituted reforms and moved toward transparency. But they still believe that he has a long way to go. This was obvious in 2019, on the 10th anniversary of Mitrice's disappearance, when Rhonda and Cece were at a press conference with Alex, when he spoke about policy changes that he said were a direct result of holes in policies that were in place at the time Mitrice was released. Cece talked about this press conference when we met with her at Joffrey's. You know, he was supposed to come to this press conference, and I'm, I'm the one who begged him to do it at the press conference. I'm like, my community needs this. You need to set it right. Come out here. Get this shit done. Tell the people you are reopening the investigation. Do the right thing. So Alex comes to the press conference. We're all standing there in a line and blah, blah, blah. And everything's like formal, formal. All of a sudden, he's like way off script. And he's like pretending like he's not going to do anything. Cece and Rhonda were hoping that Sheriff Villanueva would reopen the investigation and dive deep into the case again. But then, he did not make that the central part of the press conference. Sheriff Villanueva said mistakes were made, but this did not point to evidence of malicious intent. He said, quote, There's a difference between wrongdoing and holes in policies. There's always going to be something that falls through the cracks. In this case, it wound up being Mitrice Richardson. And that's something we're going to have to live with forever, end quote. Rhonda was devastated. Sheriff Villanueva had talked about getting fresh eyes on the case. Now, he seemed to have moved on to policy changes. Rhonda, who is like the head of this investigation, like on a personal level for the last 10 years, she's the one who got him elected and she's looking at him like, what the fuck? Like, you're, you're, like she lost her shit. So after he fucked up at the press conference with all the news people looking at us were standing there, and I'm just looking at her. I'm dumbfounded. I don't know what to do. She's like, everybody's looking. And then all of a sudden, one of his, like, security guards peeks his head out at Lost Hill Station and looks at me. He's like, Cece. I'm like, yeah. He goes, the sheriff wants to see you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he goes, you and Rhonda. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, Rhonda, Alex wants to see us. So I grab her. We go back. She Loses her shit on Alex. Blah! Losing her shit. Losing, God damn you. Blah! 
like, I mean, I can't even tell you this shit she was, I don't even remember. And so I'm like trying to calm her down. <laughs> and Rhonda's like, boom, like an elbow check. And she's like, get out of my way. <laughs> like, I'm like, shit, throw me against the wall. I'm like, okay, I got this, I got this. So finally, she storms out of the room and, and Alex just looks at me and he's like, Oh my God, Cece, thank you so much. I'm, and he's got these big eyes, like these doe eyes, like a deer. I'm like, am I looking at my sheriff of LA County right now? <laughs> like, I mean, he was looking at me scared. Like he was scared of Ron. I'm like, really? We asked several times to talk to some of the officers involved. The police department formally denied our request. But Cece was able to get me a brief interview with Sheriff Villanueva. We talked about reform, but mostly I wanted to hear about the video and Mitrice's case. Rhonda, Latisse, and Chip have been allowed to view a heavily edited video a couple of times over the years, but they haven't ever been given access to the unedited video. So finally, we wanted to ask the question, why not? Uh, anyway, I know you're super busy, so I really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, thank you. Um, uh, no worries. Since we are doing the podcast this season about the Mitrice Richardson case, um, in terms of just, I know that some policies have changed since um, this happened. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Well, we have a policy where it's voluntary. Uh, an inmate can, uh, can he volunteer to stay inside our jail facility overnight. Mm-hmm. So they're not released in the wee hours of the morning. And this applies to the entire jail, but it's particularly focused on our female population at, at CRDF and also all the stations, the patrol stations. So we can't legally hold someone back once their time is up to be released publicly. However, there is obviously a, a potential harm to release something, for example, at 2 in the morning. And so they can sign a waiver where they can, it they... Uh, request to be held for a maximum of 16 hours until the next uh, business day during normal business hours where they can be released and of course arrange for the transportation. Right. That was a big change from the past. Then we got to Mitrice's case. Well, I'd made a promise that I would have a, we would re-examine the entire case from from start to finish. And we also looked at it and I have uh, possible any wrongdoings from within the department. So we had a new team of homicide investigators and uh, and internal affairs investigators looked at the whole thing from start to finish, and they went through all the interviews, they went through all the physical evidence, they walked to the scene themselves, they retraced everything, they looked at all the video evidence. So they covered everything, very, very, very detailed, and they arrived at the same conclusion, and unfortunately the matter still remains unresolved to this day, and uh, we still need answers. One mystery, he says, is where did Mitrice go between the police station and where she was found? Was she driven there by someone, or did she walk there? There's basically no definitive evidence either way. What we need is we need uh, some, between the time that she left on her own from the Lost Hill Station uh, to the point where her remains were recovered, that period of time is still... I think there's some video surveillance of her getting water from a garden hose at a certain residence, but we're missing a lot of information of what happened. Was there any contact with other people? Uh, something that would point us in the right direction because 
the coroner couldn't determine the exact cause of because of the the nature of the remains. There was nothing left to determine, right? You know exactly how she died. So that's that's the remains the unresolved issue. When you say video footage, do you think that she was most likely killed um, in the early morning hours after she disappeared, or do you think she might have been out there for a couple days? I'm 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 inclined to think that. Uh, it happened pretty much contiguous since since she left the station area. I, I don't think she was out there for days because she would have popped up again on another call for service um, pretty easy. Because she, if she wasn't from the neighborhood and people were concerned about her safety, they would have called it in. And the fact that we didn't get that call in, that illustrates it was pretty uh, continuous chain of events until she ended up uh, succumbing. So after, so pretty shortly then after she left Bill Smith's residence. Yeah, if you follow the the, the chain of events and when she was last seen alive at that one residence, and then from there, I don't think there weren't days that went by. I think it was in a short span of time. I think one of the things that's so confusing for me about this is, if she did, I mean, do you have any theories about how she got out there to Dark Canyon? Because I hiked it with my producer, and I was when we got to it, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I sort of said, I don't know how in the world she could have gotten out here. That again, that's that's one of those mysteries that we need to resolve. And if she died by unlawful means and it was a criminal homicide, well, that means that there's a suspect that's still outstanding. Or if she on her own because she's young, somewhat athletic, and her own uh, mental uh, state of mind drove her to brave all those things to get to that point, and she succumbed naturally uh, to the elements, another possibility. Now you can see why we're, well, which one is it? We don't have enough information to put us down either path. So, yeah, so that was my next question about, I mean, you don't have any theories. You're just, you're saying you don't have enough information, basically. Right. We're missing some key elements to give us an indication which route it ended up being. What do you think about the theory that um, some people have you know, mentioned that, that there could have been law enforcement involved? That, that theory has been thrown out there, but since we had all the video evidence of within the station and everyone's been interviewed, there's, there's nothing that supports that. Finally, we got to the video. Well, and regarding the video, I mean, do you think that'll ever be publicly released? Uh, the judge put a, uh, uh, put a, an order on it, so it couldn't be released. Uh, we were going to release it in, in response to a PRA And however, I think the families of Maitreus Richardson intervened with court, and they sought an order to keep it uh, from being disclosed publicly. So that's where it's at right now. I mean... If the judge overturns that order or removes it, well, then it'll be released publicly. Okay. Um, and uh, do you, and when you say a video, do you mean the edited video or is there still, is there still an unedited video? Does that exist anymore? No, the, the edited video that is out there is a compilation of all the pieces of video that had something on it. What they did is they removed all the dead spots where there's nothing happening at all. Okay. Gotcha. So what they did is they, they put it all together to put it in context of the actual activities and motions on the camera, and they got rid of all the times that there was nothing happening. Yeah, they, 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 they compressed it for, uh, for clarity purpose. So it was everything with her on. And you didn't see anything that would be concerning on the video? No, nothing at all. It looked like normal 
uh, traffic inside the station and the exterior of the station. You, I mean, if you had to guess, you don't think it's going to be released anytime soon? Uh, that's, that's at the discretion of the court. So we may never get the unedited tapes from that night. But we do know that Mitrice was alive and well when she left the station that night, shortly after midnight. And I'm encouraged by the fact that Sheriff Villanueva, unlike so many other law enforcement officers from the past, isn't saying that there's no sign of foul play. He admits that there are missing pieces. And he says he thinks that someone, maybe someone way up in the Santa Monica Mountains, knows something. Yeah, we do get a lot of... uh... Uh, a lot of transients, people that, that wander different areas throughout the, that whole corridor there. But, uh, you know, absent somebody coming forward and saying this is what happened and, and how, we're still going to be left with this unresolved, uh, you know, death. So we have to put aside Los Angeles law enforcement politics and all the other chaos. We need to do what we do best. We need to go back to Montenito, back to the woods, and start tracking people down starting with a deputy who walked out of the Lost Hill Station minutes after Mitrice. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Hell and Gone. Hell and Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It's written and narrated by me, Katherine Townsend. Our producers are Gabby Watts, Taylor Church, and James Morrison. Music is by Ben Salee. Mix is by Tune Welders. Our executive producers are Brandon Barr, Elsie Crowley, and Brian Lavin. Special thanks to Chip Croft for use of footage from his documentary, Lost Compassion. School of Humans. Support for this podcast is from Williams. We make clean energy happen. Williams is the first North American midstream company to establish a climate commitment and an immediate approach to a sustainable future. We've released our 2020 sustainability report to track progress on our ESG goals, which includes a near-term emissions reduction target of 56% by 2030. We're leveraging our natural gas-focused strategy to fight climate change today and build a clean energy economy tomorrow. Our infrastructure and commitment are transforming the future of energy. Learn more at williams.com. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.